All right. Well, good morning. How are we all doing? I want to say Merry Christmas as well. It kind of feels like Christmas, right? Yeah, yeah. I know on Friday night, um, the women had a Christmas event, which I heard went super well. That meant I was on dad duty with my two-and-a-half-year-old. And then so I called my brother and said, hey, you have a five-year-old. Let's go to the Holiday Hoopla. Who went down to Holiday Hoopla? A few of us. Yeah. And it was a blast down there. And there was so much sugar, my kid didn't know what to do except for to eat it all. Cotton candy, hot chocolate, candy cane, sugar cookies, frosting, like as much sugar as anyone can think of, he ingested. And he's never really had that much sugar. I mean, he has it, but it was like a ton. And I was like, he's probably going to be like crazy. He was okay. But the next day I I called my brother and um, he's like, how's Theo doing? Is he just like hopped up on the sugar high still? And I'm like, actually, he's doing okay. I was like, how's Walter, who's five? He's like, dude, last night Walter puked up pink cotton candy all night. And I was like, oh, Merry Christmas, man. Holiday hoopla, like hitting strong. Um, So yeah. There's that. All right, have a nice day. See you later. No. Um, well, again, like, like Pastor Mark was saying, we're starting our series. He was named Jesus. We're talking about Jesus during this Christmas season. And this morning, I'm going to unpack this conversation that there is salvation in the name of Jesus. And so as you look around on this beautiful stage, there's different names that are written about Jesus, different personifications of Jesus. And maybe some names might resonate more with you than others. You might see everlasting father or Messiah or um, bread of life or peace or king of kings, whatever it might be. There might be a word or a phrase that really resonates with you or maybe evokes some deep emotion. And that's our intention is that during this Christmas season, we would refocus on who Jesus is and refocus on the name of Jesus, that there was intention behind naming that baby that was born in a manger, naming him Jesus. There's intention behind that. And I think we can all agree that names in general evoke emotion or give status. Uh, If we've ever had to try to name like a pet or boats or even our kids, You might go through like a list of names of being like, oh, we can't name him that or her that or oh my gosh. If you're a teacher in the room, you're probably like, don't even go there. Like, it's literally impossible to try to name anything because every name that I think of, I have a story for that name, right? But names can evoke emotion and names can give us feeling. And so I want to do something with us this morning. I want us to all just close our eyes and I'm going to say some names and I want you to kind of be in touch with your feelings, or maybe what emotion kind of happens uh, when I say that name. Sound good? Let's all close our eyes. I'm going to start off with a super easy name that nobody has any emotions attached to, Trump, (laughs) Obama, Clinton, Mom, Dad, Billy Graham, Hitler, Mickey Mouse, Grinch, Santa, Paul, Moses, God, Jesus. You can open your eyes.
So hopefully through that little time, we're starting to get our minds in this train of thought of like, okay, like names hold some, some weight to them. Like names can start to bring some emotion out. And I believe that's true with the name of Jesus. But more than just bringing emotion, I believe and what I see that the Bible says is that Jesus' name holds much more than just a feeling. Holds much more than just this feel good of like, oh yeah, Jesus. No, the name of Jesus holds hope, holds power, and holds salvation. Because he has come to give us life and a life to the full. And so this morning, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, of this narrative when it comes into this Christmas story of how Jesus, and actually how the name of Jesus, came to be. And so this is a famous you know, section of scripture that's read a lot at uh, Christmas nativity programs or uh, the scenes of nativity, whatever it might be. But I want us to really look at this, and I want us to also take out of it the intention that is behind naming Jesus, Jesus. So here it is in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, said, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let's pray. Lord God, come before you this morning to hear from your word, to receive from your word. So open our hearts and our minds to your truth. And God, speak through me. Let it be your words, not my words. And um, we just give you all the glory and we give thankful praise that we have salvation in you, Jesus. Amen. So we're in this moment, in this narrative in Matthew chapter one, uh, of Joseph deciding if he should just break it off with Mary. They're engaged, they're going to get married, and essentially what he kind of is realizing is like, maybe my fiance has been sleeping around because now she's pregnant. This is not a good thing for me, like at all. Like in that Jewish culture, his status is now not going to be so great. And so he's like, I should probably just end this thing quietly, walk away, it'll all be good. But what happens, the angel changes that all. He changes the potential outcome of Joseph not being a part of this great moment and says, no, 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 no. Here's the truth, and here's some vision for your life, Joseph. Like, you're going to be the father of this son who's going to save people from their sins. You're going to raise this kid. Like, step up, man. Be a part. This is a great moment. So what we see is, again, the angel redirects, uh, re redirects the heart of Joseph by casting a vision for the promised hope of our Savior, Jesus. That this unborn child is to be named Jesus because he will save us from our sins. I want to reread again in verse 20 and verse 21. 
angel says this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is monumental. This is big time, because it's more than just the angel saying, all right, here's the deal. Name him Johnny, name him Bobby, name him something like that. We'll be good. And no, no offense to those names, but it's not just like, here's a name, all right, we're good to go, right? S stick with Mary. No, the angel gives intention and gives vision for why they are to name their son Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. And what's also important is this implies, by the angel saying, that we need saving. The angel's already saying, like, look around, Joseph. Like, there's brokenness in this world. Like, we've messed it up. We need saving. We can't do this on our own. We need a savior. There's that implication of this is the answer. It's this unborn child to be born. Name him Jesus, because he is going to save us from our sins. He's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be our savior. So for just a quick moment, I want to unpack the name of Jesus from an historical and kind of cultural perspective. And I'm not a linguistic scholar by any mean. So, uh, sometimes I can't even say my own name properly. And it's just like, I don't know. And, um, and so, uh, but I, I found some amazing things that I think just brings this alive, um, especially during this Christmas season. So as we read this narrative, we're reading it from our modern English translations, Right? Like, we're not reading Hebrew up on the screen or Greek. We're reading English. So how do we, how, how do we get to the name Jesus? Well, in the true written language of Hebrew, the name that was given was Yeshua. And I have a slide that's going to be put up there. It kind of shows how the name has come about from the Greek and the Hebrew into the Latin and things like that. But the name was Yeshua that was given to Jesus. That was what his name is. And Yeshua means you know, God will save. But earlier on, they actually would say Yahweh saves, but in their culture, they can't say the name Yahweh because it is sacred, it is holy, and actually only once a year by the one high priest during the Day of Atonement, he could say Yahweh. They, they would never say it because it was such a sacred, pure word, they couldn't. So, they say, why, not, why not have the name Yeshua, which essentially means the same thing, but we're not saying God saves. So that's their historical perspective. And Joshua also comes from the name Yeshua. Joshua um, leads the people of Israel after Moses into the promised land. But what we start to see is as Jesus comes about, his name Yeshua, the writers start to distinguish Jesus, the Yeshua Jesus, away from like the Joshua and like, the common name of Yeshua within that culture. So what we see is the writers in Greek start saying Jesus is how it's pronounced. I'm not, again, a great Greek scholar, but Jesus is what's starting to be pronounced. And that starts to separate Jesus, and again, meaning God saves, God will deliver, God will rescue. And now we have Jesus, and that goes into the Latin they just make it an L-E-S-U-S, pronounced essentially the same way, Jesus, and they have that in the Latin church, um, which is the organized Christian church up in like the 5th and 6th centuries, and that continues on, 
Then we come into like the 15th and 16th centuries where English becomes a little bit more modern and they add a J sound to the language. They're like, let's just add a J in there. That sounds great. So the J sound starts happening in the language. And so they change from Latin, the L, to then a J. And that's where we get J, Jesus. And that's where we now have the word Jesus in our modern translations. But it all works back to what the intention and what the angel says is this. Name him Jesus, name him Yeshua, because God's going to save us. God will save us. God will rescue us. God will deliver us from our sins. Essentially saying, Jesus, he's bringing salvation. Like this, this boy is special. He is set apart, and he is going to bring salvation. His name is salvation. So again, there is this declaration of what the role that this unborn child will play, and that is he's going to save us. We need saving. We are broken. We're in a hurting world. We've tried it on our own. We've tried our own way, and it's just not working at all. I mean, we, can, we don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. And so in this moment, this angel again tells Joseph, you will name him Jesus because he's going to save his people, all of us, his creation, from their sins. And we will have hope, we'll have freedom through his name because he has come to take that place for that we so rightly deserve and to take away our sins so that we can have a life and a life to the full. That's the Christmas story right here, is that this baby represents this promised hope that we've been waiting for for years and years and years. And so I want to just for a quick moment as well, go back to the beginning. Go back to the creation account in Genesis. Adam and Eve, the first humans, they were created to be in relationship with God, and that's what they were doing but they fell into, into temptation. They sinned. And then in that, separation occurs, right? They're no longer in communion with God. And God notices that. And he asks them, like, well, what's going on? And they said, well, the serpent deceived us and this happened. And he's like, man, like, we can't be in communion anymore. Like, we are separated now. And God has this moment with Adam and Eve and also with the serpent. And he's like, serpent, you're an idiot. You're going to be on your belly for the rest of your life and crawl around the dirt. And by the way, serpent, the offspring of Adam and Eve, these humans, eventually are going to crush your head. You may have bitten their heel. You're going to continue to be a distraction and just be that thing that bites their heel. But their offspring is going to bore the Savior of the world. He's going to crush the head of you, Satan. Death will no longer be valid. He's going to crush sin and death. And so God gives this vision this promise of there's going to be a savior coming. And so then we fast forward and we say, oh, this is that moment where we are saved from our sins. This is that moment way back from creation that God talked about that now that serpent's head is going to be crushed because Jesus, the name of Jesus, has salvation. He has brought salvation and we are to be saved from our sins. It's a declaration that Jesus saves and we need saving. And what I see and what I believe, again, is that we are intended 
to be in relationship with God. That's how we were created way back when. That's the original design, but it got messed up. And forever we've tried to always fulfill that void that was left from that relationship that we had with God with whatever we thought could fill that void, but nothing could until the promised hope of salvation, Yeshua, Jesus, the God who saves, has come down to earth in the form of this little baby to grow up and live a perfect life so that then he can be obedient and lay his life down for all of us. All of us. doesn't matter where you're from, what you've done. He was obedient to lay his life down so that his blood can wash us all clean of our sins. Again, Yeshua, to save us from our sins. And that's the power that we have in the name of Jesus. And so really, this morning, my one big point is this. Only Jesus can save us from our sins. Only Jesus can save us from our sins. There's no other person, no other thing. There's not like the best Christmas gift in the world that we can buy that can save us from our sins. The best Christmas gift is Jesus, right? That's the Sunday school answer, right? You just say Jesus. What's the best Christmas gift? Jesus. Kids are like, no, dude. Like, there's like this new like iPhone thing I want. Like, that's awesome. No, it's Jesus. Only Jesus can save us from our sins. God saves and God rescues. And Jesus lives up to his name by how he lived his life and the actions that he did. So I'm going to invite the worship team up because we're going to take communion. Because I believe there's no other way to reflect on this truth than to reflect with communion and what Christ has done, that he gave his body, that he shed his blood so that we can be saved. And as they're coming up and getting settled, I want us to read um, a section of scripture that I think just ties this all up into a nice, pretty bow. And that's a pun intended for Christmas season, right? And it's this, in Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome a lot of huge theological truths. Paul himself was a big-time sinner. He used to persecute the church. He hated the church, but then he had a moment with Jesus. His life turned around. Uh, turned around. He is serving Jesus with all who he is, and he is all in for him. And so he's writing this, this letter to the church in Rome. This is what he says here in Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. That's all of us. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. 
Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. What we see from this, and the truth from this, is that Jesus saves. His act of obedience is so that we can then be saved from one man's disobedience. You guys can hold off on communion right now. I'll, I'll cue it in a little bit. You guys can hold off for a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Um, and so what we see is just the power and the intentionality behind the name of Jesus, that he will save us from our sins because he is going to grow up, be obedient and lay his life down. Like it says in that last verse, one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. So Adam, thanks Adam, thanks dude. But because one other person obeyed God, Jesus, many will be made righteous. If that's not good news, I don't know what is. Because there is hope in that, there is power in that. And we are saved from our sins, from a life of death because of what Jesus has done. This one act of obedience on the cross and that outcome is now applied to us when we confess our faith in Jesus. Paul goes on later in this letter and says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's a promise of salvation right there. If you confess and say, I'm all in, I believe that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you died and rose again. You will be saved. This is what Christmas is all about, is this moment right here, a fulfillment of the promise, but a fulfillment saying we have salvation through Jesus. Jesus has saved us from our sins. We are no longer bound. We are no longer destined for death. We are now alive in Christ. I want us to pray really quick, and I want to just have us reflect on this. And then um, the band's going to play a song. You guys can pass out the elements. I want you guys to hold on to those elements of communion, the bread and the juice. I'm going to lead us together um, in what that means and just for us to reflect on the beauty of who Jesus is, all right? But I want us to pray right now, okay? Lord Jesus, we come before you in realization that we need you. And we've always needed you because you have come to save us from our sins. And so Jesus, right now, I want to just pray for us to have the opportunity to say, you know what? Yes, I, I, I need that because I've tried it on my own. I've tried to live my life and it's just not working. And man, I know that there's brokenness and I need a savior. I need salvation because without it, I'm not back to how I was created to be, and that's in relationship with you, God. So right now, if there's any of us in this room that are like, hey, I, I want to be all in with Jesus, just, just raise your hand and say, I'm, I'm all in. Amen. For those who have just raised their hand, I'm going to pray for us. You can pray, repeat after me, or pray in your heart, whatever, whatever you want to do. Um, but just this prayer that says, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are Lord. I believe that you have come to save us from our sins.
We'll say, Lord Jesus, thank you for what you have done, that you have come to save us from our sins. And I realize, Lord, that our world is broken and that I'm broken as well, that I can't save myself and I need you to be my savior. So Lord, I confess and I believe that you are Lord and you are our savior. And in you, we are saved. So by faith, I declare that you died and you gave your life but you rose again. And I'm all in, Jesus. And I proclaim that you are Lord. Lord God, we just thank you so much for who you are. In this moment, that we could reflect on the truth that we are in need of a Savior, that we can also reflect on the truth that you have done that for us through your obedience on the cross. So Lord, we just give you thanks and praise in this time. For those of us who have rededicated and who have said yes to you, we give you glory in that as well, Lord, because your truth is so sharp. It's so pure that it just strikes deep within who we are. And so God, we just give you this moment. We praise your name. Amen. The band's going to play a song, and um, the elements will be passed out. Just hang on to them. You can sing, um, reflect, you can pray. Uh, if you need to just maybe refocus and uh, possibly repent some things in your life that maybe you've placed in front of God, this is that moment just to be reminded of the goodness of who Jesus is. And then in a few minutes, I'm going to come back together and I'm going to lead us in taking those elements of communion. Savior, I come, quiet my soul. Remember, redemption's hill where your blood was spilled. My ransom, everything I once held dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Bring me to my knees, Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself. I belong to you, who oh, lead me, lead me to the cross. Lord Jesus, again, we thank you for your act of obedience and this truth that we needed saving and the intention that 
your name Jesus because you're going to save us from our sins. You're going you're to grow up and lay your life down. So we take this piece of bread, which represents your body that you gave for all of mankind. We take this in remembrance of you. And this cup of juice, which represents your blood that was poured out, all of it, so that we can be washed clean and be made clean to be in right relationship with God again. Lord, we take this cup of juice, we take it in remembrance of you. Lord Jesus, thank you. We give praise and honor to your name. And that this Christmas season, that we would begin to refocus our hearts and our mind on the sole truth that you have come to save us from our sins. And that we would be encouraged to not only take this message outward, but to live it out in every part of our life every day of our life, if we, as we model it to our kids, our coworkers, our friends, our family, that we have been saved from our sins because of this baby boy, Jesus. So God, we give you glory and honor and praise. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen.